Okay. Shabbat Shuvah 5784. That is what today is traditionally known as, the Sabbath of return or repentance, as David was saying earlier. So we're in that season of repentance, of course, the 10 days of awe between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Hence, we should not delay in returning to him because life is short. Our lives are like a vapor. Here one moment, gone the next, it seems like. Shabbat Shuvah, the Sabbath of return. Rabbi Aidan Steinsaltz, of blessed memory, notes a, uh, a bit of tension in this title, Shabbat and Shuvah, between Sabbath and repentance, because the Sabbath is supposed to be a time of delight and joy, praise and worship, drawing closer to him, about prayer and worship of Adonai. And repentance sort of is, part of the process of repentance is drawing out old sins and remembering them. And so the, uh, the sages really didn't like the process of teshuva sort of tainting the holiness of Shabbat. For example, a lot of traditional prayer books contain many prayers about sin and about repentance that you can pray three times a day, six days a week if you'd like. Lots of prayer, lots of repentance, lots of confessing of one's sins. But the prayers on Shabbat, those are omitted because the sages didn't want people dragging in all their spiritual dirty laundry into the holiness of Shabbat. But Shabbat Shuvah is different. This Shabbat lies nestled right in between the high holy days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and it was expected that in the synagogue, the rabbi would expound on the need for repentance, even though it's a Shabbat, because this is Shabbat Shuvah, and it's unique in that aspect. Repentance should come from a place of love. Generally, most people, I think, start from a place of a fear of God's wrath, and this is okay, that's better than no fear at all, but it's nice to mature to the point of wanting to turn to him out of love. For example, the prophet Hosea. Um, one of the traditional half-Torah readings is from the prophet Hosea. The opening chapters of Hosea tell an interesting story. A story of two relationships, really. Hosea marries a prostitute, they start a family. They have several children. She raises and rears these children. But then she leaves her husband, Hosea, to go back to her licentious profession, right? And I would imagine, as any man would be, any husband, he is crushed and has every right to leave her, but he doesn't. What does he do? He goes out and finds her and buys her back for 15 pieces of silver and some barley, he redeems her. The Lord has that same relationship with Israel. It's that parallel narrative in the book of Hosea. 
The Lord has that same relationship with his people who were unfaithful to him. They were prostituting themselves to foreign gods. Adonai could have just written them off, but he doesn't. He pursues them and he nudges them into repentance to draw them back to him. The stories are stories of love and faithfulness and forgiveness. Other prophets spoke similar oracles of doom that showed Israel's sin, God's anger towards them, and ultimately redemption. But the prophecy of Hosea begins with marriage imagery. The husband is faithful and forgiving and loving. He redeems. The traditional, one of them, there's many, half Torah for Shabbat Shuba is Hosea chapter 14, beginning in verse 2. If you would turn there, it is on page 578 in the Tree of Life Bibles that you have in your pews. If you have one of the black ones, it's on page 653. Many reasons this selection was selected to be the half Torah for Shabbat Shuva. One of them is that it begins with the word Shuva, Shuva Yisrael. Hosea chapter 14, verse 2, begins with that Hebrew word Shuva. You see it there as return, right? And so as we read through this, just keep this in the back of your head. Um, keep that marriage imagery in your mind. I know that there's a pronouns him for Israel that kind of throws you off a little bit. But you have to read this with that parallel imagery in mind of Hosea, the husband and the wife, Israel, uh, the Lord in Israel. Keep that in your head as we read through this. So Hosea 14, chapter 2, reads like this. Return, O Israel, to Adonai your God, for you have stumbled in, in your iniquity. Take words with you and return to Adonai. Say to him, Take away all iniquity and accept what is good, so we may repay with offering of our lips. Assyria will not save us, we will not ride on horses, and we will never again say, our God, to the work of our hands, for with you orphans find mercy. I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for my anger will turn away from him. I will be like dew for Israel. He will blossom like a lily and thrust out his roots like Lebanon. His tender shoots will spread out. His beauty will be like an olive tree and his fragrance will be like the Lebanon. Those dwelling in his shadow will return. They will grow grain and bud like a vine. His renown will be like the wine of the Lebanon. Ephraim, what more are idols to me? I have responded and observed him. I will be like a luxuriant cypress tree. From me will be found your fruit. Who is wise? Let him discern these things. Who is intelligent? Let him know them. For the ways of Adonai are straight, and the just walk in them, but the wicked stumble in them. You see that love that's just embedded in there. And it's because he loves us. Even though we are unfaithful, he still redeems us. But we need to turn back to him, perform a little teshuva. 
you think about the order there a little bit in the prophet Hosea. There is redemption and then there is repentance and teshuva. Sometimes we think about it a little backwards, like we have to repent, then we'll be saved. But if you think about Hosea had a wife, she was unfaithful and left him. What's the next thing that happens? He redeems her, then brings her home, and she's going to have to go through a process of cleansing herself up and um, being faithful to her husband and pleasing him. So there's redemption, and then there is a season of teshuva that the wife goes through. Similarly, here in chapter 14, there is a healing that's going on here. Blossoming for the nation of Israel, even though they've turned away from him. You read in verse 5, I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for my anger will turn away from him. So there's redemption for the nation of Israel, even after they prostituted themselves. And then a few verses later in verse 8, those dwelling in his shadow will return. There's going to be a, a sense of teshuva. The people are going to come and realize the love that God has for them, even though they were sinful, and there'll be a season of repentance. You, we can even think of this in a broader scope of all humanity. There's a price to pay for sin, either by the redeemer or the redeemed, but a price has to be paid. Someone's got to pay the 15 shekels and barley to redeem the prostitute. And so in humanity's sins, it's the Lord that redeems humanity through the blood of Yeshua. Through his life, we are redeemed. But that's just the beginning of the process. Like, uh, like Hosea's wife, we may be redeemed, but we're kind of dirty and still have a lot of work to do to clean ourselves up and show ourselves to be now grateful for that, faithful to our husband, doing our duties as that bride. There is still much work to do and responsibility even after we have been redeemed. And it's about teshuva. Teshuva is turning from sin. It is turning back to the ways of Adonai. And it's not the most complicated process in the world. Like most things, it's fairly easy to do. There's only a couple of components. Teshuva, turning from sin, one often looked component is confession. Proverbs 28:13 says this: "One who covers up his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them finds mercy." James also tells us, many people probably know this one almost by heart, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Confession, something that is, um, when you talk about returning to God or turning from sin, you have to acknowledge it as a very important, vital part of the process. And so confession, saying this out loud, is important. It's something we offer in the form of the Kol Nidre service, which is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock when we verbally confess all these sins together in an exhaustive and comprehensive list. 
allowing one to publicly and spoken form confess to the Lord. And of course, on Monday as well, with the Kol Nidre, lit, Kol, uh, Yom Kippur liturgy, a lot of confession, once again, is accomplished. And then the next step's pretty easy, turning from sin. I remember uh, it was two years ago this month, September 2021, that Rabbi Zimmerman was here. Rabbi Jack Zimmerman from Jewish Voice Ministries was here standing right where I'm standing, speaking about teshuva. And he said something interesting that I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, it makes you think. I like stuff that makes me think. He said, turning from sin may not necessarily align one with God. You can be in this direction of sin, and you turn this direction, but God might be in this direction. So it's about, yes, turning from sin, but you have to also at the same time be aware in your head that you need to align yourself towards God. So it's, it is turning from sin, but it's much more of a process of turning towards God and following him. That should be ultimately the focus of this, is turning towards God. Now, I think all of us here know the word very well, so we know the direction we should be going, but it's not always easy to stay that course. It's a daily effort. 2 Corinthians 4.16 reminds us that our inward man is renewed day by day. Why day by day? Because we all know the direction we should be going. It's a matter of discipline and effort sometimes to keep us pointed in that direction. So this renewal, this turning towards him is a daily effort, but it's during the season that we have a little bit of extra divine assistance, especially during the high holy days, thus all the concentrated efforts on it. We should let the year 5784 be a year of great spiritual growth for all of us. It's sort of like a, uh, it is a new year, even though Generally, in our culture, we think of New Year's January 1st. You know, we all make those, uh, you know, New Year's Eve resolutions. I'm going to go to the gym and lose weight or stop smoking. I mean, generally, those things don't tend to pan out so well, do they? Maybe there's a reason for that. There's not a whole lot of, you know, spiritual effort behind that at times. But during the high holy days, there is a lot of extra assistance happening, and this effort of turning towards God is something that will enrich your life in many ways and take care of all, a lot of those habits that uh, you may be wanting to change. Many people are just going about it the wrong way. One way to help spiritual growth is going through the waters of the mikvah, this is a tradition that for many years Rav Mike helped facilitate off-site, um, and this year we are bringing that tradition back on-site. Great way to memorialize the beginning of a, perhaps a new path of discipleship or a new God-centered direction in life, the beginning of a new year. Um, so many folks have been baptized before, and that is all well and good. Um, but it's a blessing and a mitzvah to be baptized, of course, when one becomes a follower of Yeshua, but there's much more to be said about that. We'll get into that Torah study, I'm sure. 
But one could think of immersion as part of the process of teshuva. One confesses sin, one turns back to him, and then immersion can begin a renewed path in life. In the spirit of repentance, as I close down this morning, I think I am going to close with Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is on page 644. It is a uh, psalm of repentance. Confession, return, and learn is the title of this in the Tree of Life version. I was been reading this this week, and I thought, I think I'm going to finish. I love finishing with the psalms. Just these words just bring so much peace. Psalm 32 of David, a contemplation contemplative song. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is pardoned. Blessed is the one whose guilt the blessed is the one whose guilt Adonai does not count, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle, though my groaning through my groaning all day long. For day and night your right hand was heavy upon me. My strength was drained as in the droughts of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not hide my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgressions to Adonai, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. When great floodwaters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from distress. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will give counsel. My eye is on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, and must be held in with bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but loving kindness surrounds the one who trusts in Adonai, be glad in Adonai and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all who are upright in heart. Amen and amen. Many blessings to you all, and Shabbat Shalom.